What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Sam. But today we have a very special guest with us. We have from Fantasy Pros, Dave Klug. How are you, sir? Doing good. I don't know if I'm that special of a guest, but you know, I really appreciate the uh, the warm welcome here. Um, it's uh, it's Dave Kluge. I'm with uh, Fantasy Pros and Football Guys, kind of doing a little bit of everything right now and uh, focusing on my personal brand as well. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at Fantasy Pros working on the news correspondence desk and I'll have some uh, articles coming out during the regular season. And then with Football Guys, I just got my first few assignments from them. So working on some art- articles and you'll be able to check out my content on their YouTube page as well. That's awesome. Amazing stuff. Um, yep. You know, Dave is an extremely hard worker in the in the fantasy community. Um, as we were speaking prior to the show, he's fairly new to the Twitter realm, though. Uh, make sure you go follow his Twitter. His at is down in the bottom right of the screen. Um, but man, today is is all about rankings. You know, today is a very special show for us. You know, uh, obviously in the preseason, a lot of people like to talk rankings a lot uh, to talk about um, the rookies coming in. Everybody's you know all fired up about um, the draft right now. But you know going into the 2021 season it, it is a uh, very hot topic uh, with the 2021 rankings given how special this draft class is uh, Sam how are you feeling about your 2021 rankings and do you feel like the rookies you know kind of adjust those rankings a little bit uh, I think in some cases the rookies definitely adjust them I, I think the most notable place you're gonna see a rookie adjust you know the, the top 12s uh, for next year is probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, it, it all depends on the ranking, the, the, the landing spot for the rookie running backs like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Nobody knows where they're going yet. We're still two months away from the draft. So it'll, it'll take some time to determine that, you know, for everyone doing their, their drafts now, uh, drafting with rookies is obviously it's kind of like a dart throw because nobody knows where they're going to go except for Trevor Lawrence, who is obviously heading to be the next Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. So, yeah, we we, we have all kind of fell into that assumption that Trevor Lawrence is going to be one hundred and one. Uh, Dave, you know, how do you see these rookies ad- adjusting into the the next tier of the NFL? Given how talented a lot of people are saying these rookies are. Well, I, uh, I'm somebody who typically fades rookies in redraft. It's very rare to see a rookie come on the scene and make an absolute explosion. I mean, last year, everyone thought that we were going to see that with Jerry Judy, and he ended up not living up to it. Meanwhile, the guy that people were fading a little bit, Justin Jefferson, who wasn't cracking anybody's top 12, is the guy that actually finished as the wide receiver one. So it really is so hard with rookies. Um, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who typically just avoids drafting any rookie as a top 12 guy because uh, it's 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 pretty tough. Yeah, I know Jeff out here is saying Justin yeah. QB1 for fantasy. That might be right, but let's let's be real. First <laughs> overall pick, we know we know who Jacksonville's taken. And, uh, you know, I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think that he's going to be a great player. Um, I've got him in my top 10 in Dynasty rankings, but historically, Agreed. we haven't seen a lot of rookies come out and make immediate QB1s. You know, every once in a while we'll see it, and he can certainly, you know, shock everybody and just ball out as a rookie, and I'll have to eat crow over this, but I think the risk outweighs the reward here. Um, it's really hard for me to put him over somebody like Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, those guys that we have seen consistently finishing as QB1s. So for that reason, I've got Trevor Lawrence just outside my top 12, but um, that's not to say he can't finish in the top five or be a great rookie. It's just the risk there is a little bit too much for me to want to take him as a high QB. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about somebody who's probably going to end up drafted in, in like round eight to 10. You know, Typically, that's whenever people start throwing darts at rookies and hoping for the best. Uh, Jeff, obviously from, uh, Columbus is going to say that, you know, Justin Fields is quarterback one in this class. Uh, as far as fantasy is concerned, I'm not opposed to it, but at the same time, uh, I'm kind of along the lines of Dave here. You know, I, I like to fade rookies and, and go with more proven talent at that point. Uh, you know, every year there's going to be a James Robinson. There's going to be an undrafted free agent that busts onto the scene and, and rushes or, you know, catches a thousand yards and it's it's hard for me to throw a dart at that point whenever the security of my team is on the line Mm -hmm. Uh, but 
you know, I like to, go ahead. Go ahead I like ahead. to, I like to be more of a, uh, a risk taker in that sense. Two years ago, I took Josh Jacobs in, in about, I want to say 65, 60% of my leagues because I, I felt like this guy was going to do great things. And, and I think he did good things in his first season. Granted, last year was a little bit of a downswing for him, so I'm being punished on that front. But I, I think, I think you can take you can take your uh, your chances on some rookies, and I do agree that it's definitely a dart throw. But what is fantasy football if not a giant dart throw? I saw today a very good tweet. We're all fighting against each other to be the best predictor of the future here. That is <laughs> what we do. Are are we not? We're just predictors of the future. Who's going to do the best? We don't know. They don't know. Nobody yeah. knows. Let's be honest. I, exactly. Here. That's we're, that's the fun of this. I just we're, got off a call with uh, or off a show with uh, Michelle and Kate from Ball Blast, I and we were that. talking about almost that exact topic. You know, nobody likes to admit it, but realistically, there's so much guessing and so much luck that goes into this. So I'm I'm somebody who you're, you're going to see it when we start pulling these rankings up. I am somebody who actively goes against the grain. I don't like to sit there and just say, hey, these are my watered down chalk rankings. You know, I, I, I've got this guy at three, even though the ECR at Fantasy Pros has him at four. I'm going to make my big shots and I'm going to go out and get my guys because at the end of the day, that's typically the way fantasy football works out. I mean, Pat Mahomes, when he was the QB1 his rookie year, he was ranked as like the QB22. He was going undrafted in most leagues, and then he finished the year averaging almost 300 yards a game with whatever. I mean, we can do whatever we want and study all we want, but at the end of the day, nobody knows how it's going to shake out. You know, somebody could be having a a fight with their significant other at home, and that's going to affect their play on the field. Somebody can tweak an ankle, and we don't hear about it. There's so many factors that go into this. So we do the best with the information that we have, but who really knows? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so talking about your rankings a little bit, you know, Eagles fans should be happy here going into your quarterback rankings. So we have our guy Jalen Hurts inside the top 12. Obviously, we'll run it down for you. Patrick Mahomes, obviously going to be your QB1. Uh, a little surprise here at two is Lamar Jackson, but I do respect the dual threat of Lamar Jackson. Uh, three with Dak Prescott, four with Josh Allen. Uh, Dak Prescott coming off the ankle injury, you know, you're, you're projecting a pretty high year for him. Uh, five is Deshaun Watson, six Kyler Murray, seven A-Rod, eight is the second-year wonder, Justin Herbert. Number nine is our guy, Jalen Hurts. Ten is Russell Wilson. Eleven being Ryan Tannehill and 12, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I know a lot of people will dislike the Kirk Cousins take at number 12. Yeah. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins finishes the quarterback 10 last season. Mm-hmm. And the year before, I mean, this guy, he just consistently, he's not a guy that's going to go out. And I, I've got Kirk Cousins sitting there at 12, and he's not somebody that I'm going to have on any teams, if I'm being honest, because I like going for the high upside quarterback. So I'd be much more prone to passing on Kirk Cousins and waiting for a guy like we just discussed and Trevor Lawrence, who's going to have the much higher ceiling. But if you're looking for a safe quarterback, that's the route you want to go. All Kirk Cousins does is churn out QB1 seasons. And now that he's got, um, you know, Irv Smith is going to be the number one tight end over there who's going to be an even better pass catcher than we saw with Kyle Rudolph. We've got Justin Jefferson, who just had a phenomenal rookie year, and he's only going to get better next year. Adam Thielen's still going to be there hauling in catches. You got Delvin Cook, who can take any check down from anywhere on the field to the end zone. So Kirk Cousins, you know. I'm not crazy about him, but he's going to finish as a low-end QB1. So if that's what you're looking for is a safe floor, somebody that's going to rack up some garbage time points, Kirk Cousins is going to do it. I agree. If you're talking about a guy that's going to get you 15 to 18 points every week, you know, and and that's that's about it. That's pretty much his peak. His peak might be, you know, a one-week wonder of like a 26 to 27-point performance. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for a guy that's getting you that 15 to 17 points, Kirk Cousins is the guy. But one guy I actually do really want to highlight here, uh, especially given um, my my fandom, um, you know, right there, is your QB9, Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, a dual-threat quarterback, but a guy who only completed 51% of his passes. Uh, what gives you the uh, hope? and and will to give him that QB1 status. Well, guess what? When you're a player like Jalen Hurts, you don't need to complete a lot of passes. You can throw some interceptions because that rushing upside is going to offset all that. We saw this with Lamar Jackson two years ago. 
Um, and you know, it's it, it sounds corny to say it, and I hate using the phrase, but everyone keeps saying Konami code, and that's a very, very real thing. I mean, when you think about it, if somebody's able to rush for 60 yards a game, which is not easy to do, but that's equate that equates to an extra touchdown passing touchdown every single week. So, um, you know, if if you look last year in a point per game basis, he was the QB 11 overall. And that was with one of his five games because, you know, that I'm just looking at that five game set. And one of those games, he came in at the very end and didn't even play a full right. game. And he still finished as the QB 11 in point per games. So, um, you know, I know you guys are both Eagles fans. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is the long-term solution for the Eagles. I don't think that he's going to be somebody in dynasty leagues that's going to keep doing this for you year in and year out. But as far as this year with the Eagles cap situation, they're not going to be able to bring in anybody else. Right now, Jalen Hurts has the keys to the team. He's going to get the opportunity. He's going to get a lot of rushing yards. And he's going to turn the ball over. We know that, but that's kind of baked into it. I still think that when it comes to upside, Jalen Hurts could finish as a top three guy. Now, I'm not willing to draft him as a top three guy because of the risk, but I'd be more than happy taking him as QB9, you know, in the seventh or eighth round. Now, Soko is more of a Hurts guy than I am, admittedly. Uh, he's been high on him for... <laughs> Not since we drafted him, but since he learned that he was QB1, I took a little bit longer to come to terms with it. Um, do you think Do you think that if he does somehow uh, do good enough this season to where the Eagles feel comfortable making him their starting quarterback going forward, do you think that he has a prolonged chance to do this over a period of time, you know, as they surround him with weapons? Or is he going to be like... Robert Griffin III, or even Lamar Jackson, you know, running quarterbacks who could slow down if something happens to them. You know, we've talked about, you talked about the turnovers. Uh, he has a, somewhat of a fumbling issue. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't, I don't think he's much of a game manager. I think he's willing to chuck the ball down the field. Do you think that he can be a prolonged, you know, top 12 option in quarterback over the long term? I mean, looking long term, there's so much um, that 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 goes into that. I mean, we've got to see him string together 16 games. What we saw were four starts, right. and they were four starts that, on paper and fantasy, look good, but as a football player, didn't look that great. So, um, you know, right now it's his destiny to control. I really like that you make the RG3 comparison because I see so much of RG3 in in Jalen Hurts. I do as well. And and, and if RG3 didn't get hurt. I mean, RG3, you know, it was him getting pushed out on the field by Kyle Shanahan with a blown out knee that really ruined his career. There's right. no reason that RG3 wouldn't have been a perennial QB1. I mean, the way that he had that rushing upside and his ability to just, I mean, flick his wrist and throw the ball 60 yards downfield. And Jalen Hurts really has that same skill set. So I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Um, but those turnovers are going to need to get under control. If he goes out and he's still averaging, you know, three turnovers a game over the course of an entire season, um, you know, he, he's not a number two overall pick like right. Carson Wentz was, you know, Carson Wentz, even with his turnovers and his sacks and those abilities, they were able to work with him because he had the draft capital, similar to what the bears did with Mitch Trubisky, Jalen hurts. They didn't use that same draft capital on him. They didn't have the same investment in him. So if he has one more season where he's consistently turning the ball over, uh, I think that they would address that move on to a new quarterback heading into 2022. But since we're talking redraft rankings here, I right. love Jalen Hurts for 2021. <laughs> All that matters. <laughs> right. And and Sam um, Sam and Dave both make a good argument here that, you know, um, the, the turnovers need to stop for Jalen Hurts to, to continue to be fantasy relevant. If you're, you're talking about a guy who's turning the ball over three times a game, you know, he had nine fumbles in those four and a half games. Uh, only two were lost. Uh, mm -hmm. But in some leagues, just a fumble is, is minus one point. So uh, you have to take your scoring into consideration at that point. Uh, but we will move on to the running back rankings here. So 101 is definitely still Christian McCaffrey. Regardless I mean, how, how, how can you not? How can you not? Even if it's a non-PPR league, like Christian McCaffrey is just a stud. I could Absolutely. suit up as quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, and I'd still rank CMC as my 101. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, obviously, you know, the uh, 102 here is probably Dalvin Cook, if, if, we're, if we're talking redraft here. Uh, Dalvin Cook is uh, one of two, or two running backs that had uh, over 300 carries last year, uh, the other being Derrick Henry. Uh, number three, Alvin Kamara. Kamara is a guy that, you know, accounted for – 
67% of the Saints offense last season. And, uh, you know, he actually missed three games. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, makes makes total sense. Uh, Derek Henry at four, Zeke at five, Saquon coming off the injury at six, Nick Chubb at seven, Jonathan Taylor at eight, Austin Eckler, a little surprise there in the top 12. Cam Akers, the young gun in L.A. at 10. Joe Mixon, a little surprised to see Joe Mixon in that top 12 conversation, but, you know, we'll we'll get into that. And then uh, J.K. Dobbins, the 23-year-old, taking over RB1 for the Baltimore Ravens, rounding out the top 12. So, Sam, who's who are some guys that you were a little surprised at to see inside that top 12? Well, I was not surprised to see Austin Eckler there. Um, I I think, and uh, going back to the Ball Blast girls, uh, I forget if it was Kate or Michelle, but I know that they love them, Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler, as they think as well, has top three potential for this, this coming year. Uh, I, I love what he can do when he's healthy. Sure, he's he's not going to get you a th- you know twelve hundred rushing yards, but he can get you eight hundred you know passing passing yards and eighty receptions, and mm-hmm. it's not a stretch to say that he can get to a hundred like McCaffrey did either. Um, I also I also was a little bit surprised at the Henry ranking. Do you think it you think it still continues there even though Arthur Smith is gone? What about the scheme? What what's what's the next coach or what's the next offensive scheme going to look like? I mean, when you've got a guy like Derrick Henry, I think that they're still just going to relentlessly feed him the rock. Uh, but they also need to bring in some pass catchers to make sure that he's not seeing nine guys in the box every single play. Right now, they've got A.J. Brown, who is an absolute freak of nature. And I think we're going to talk about him a little bit later because I'm much higher on A.J. Brown than the consensus. But, um, you know, I, I still think that there is uh, uh, Derrick Henry is going to be relentlessly fed the rock. And I've seen him in some rankings where he's sitting up there at the two or three spot. My reason for having him a little bit lower is just that the wear and tear has to catch up to him eventually. And I thought it was going to catch up to him last year, and he proved us all wrong by rushing for 2,000 yards. Um, so I, I think that with Arthur Smith being gone, with Corey Davis being gone, with Johnny Smith, who not only opens the field as a pass catcher, but is also a fantastic blocker, with him being gone, there's a lot of change in Tennessee. So I think that Derrick Henry is, I mean, obviously one of the best rushers that we've ever seen in the league. I mean, he just bullies people. He makes it look like he's playing against a Pop Warner team out there. But he's seen 300 carries now for consecutive seasons. I think if you go back to 2019, if you bake in his playoff uh, games as well, it was, some, it was like 386 carries or something like that over a year, which is just absolutely bonkers. So, uh, you know, he, he's 27 years old now, which is not young for a running back. Um, That's and, and, a cliff. That's yeah. a cliff usually. And we've seen it. We've seen it with Todd Gurley. We've seen it with Le'Veon Bell. We've seen it with so many guys. So I'm just trying to get ahead of that curve a little bit. Um, sure, there's there's a good chance that Derrick Henry goes out and crushes 2,000 yards again because that's just what he does. But there's also a fact or the, the possibility that that doesn't happen and that his age catches up to him and we see him fall off that cliff. So that's why I'm sliding him down to five a little bit. Um, he's another guy. He's sitting there at my as my RB5. But realistically, I'm not going to have him in a lot of leagues. I'd rather pass on him and, uh, you know, just just wait. Um, he's just he's at that age where, where weird things start happening to elite running backs. Okay. Yeah, Dave. So, you know, I I have one one major question. What's that? Um, I, I understand, you know, Nick Chubb is still in that RB1 conversation. He's more on the low side of your RB1 conversation. I made a bold statement, and I, you know, I I made it to Sam in in our dynasty league as well. Uh, obviously, we're talking redraft tonight, but I have Nick Chubb as as RB two this season, right behind Christian McCaffrey. Do you think that Cream Hunt is limiting that production, or is this something that you're concerned with Nick Chubb's talent more? Oh, I am not concerned with Nick Chubb's talent whatsoever. When it comes to being a pure runner in the league, he is one of the best of them. Uh, but I mean, you, you already addressed the issue is that Kareem Hunt is there and he's not going anywhere. And uh, weirdly enough, you know, he's actually more efficient when Kareem Hunt is healthy. Like when they play together, Kareem Hunt's more efficient. Nick Chubb's more efficient. They're both out there playing on fresh legs and it benefits both of them. But, you know, just the, uh, you know, all of these guys that I have ranked ahead of Nick Chubb are guys that you know are going to get the ball when they get to the red zone. They're guys that you know are going to be out there on third down ca- catching the ball. 
And Nick Chubb, with his role not being a three down back and not being guaranteed all those red zone touches, that just pushes him down a little bit. Uh, if Kareem Hunt wasn't there, I'd, I'd agree with you. I mean, he would be sitting as my number two in, in redraft leagues. But Kareem Hunt is just that pesky thorn in the side that isn't going anywhere. And, uh, you know, I, I love Nick Chubb. As, as a football player, he is one of my favorite players to watch in the league. But, you know, with, with Kareem Hunt there, it just makes it a little difficult. Yeah, and, you know, Stefanski loves to run that uh, running back by committee. Uh, obviously, they, they had the most 12 personnel ran last season, uh, whether that be two tight ends or two running backs in the backfield. So uh, kind of like Dave said, um, Kareem Hunt's sticking around. He just signed a three-year extension. Uh, so and see, when, when Stefanski was in Minnesota, though, he loved feeding the ball to Dalvin Cook. And I think the right. thing is, you know, Kareem Hunt, they just got him on that crazy deal because of the domestic violence charges and the suspension and all that. So Kareem Hunt is not being paid, you know, what his talent should dictate. Kareem Hunt should be making three times the money he's making, and he should be a starter on Buffalo or Miami or one of these other teams. But because of that issue, I mean, the, the Browns stumbled into one of the best contracts probably in the NFL right now because – Make no doubt about it, Kareem Hunt is an elite running back, and he could easily be an RB1 if he was freed. So it's just kind of this unfortunate situation where Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are both just cannibalizing each other's values. Yeah, and the, the truth of the matter is even his extension, his extension's three years, $15 million with uh, I think it was $8 million guaranteed of it. And that's an absolute steal for the Browns. But, you know, make no mistake about it, Kareem Hunt graduated from Toledo University. He was born in Toledo, Ohio. He is dictating that he wants to be in Cleveland close to home. And, and you know, I, I can't blame him for that. But at the same time, like, for fantasy purposes, like, come on, man. Like, you're killing us uh, of two elite running back ones. I mean, you know, Kareem Hunt, what he did in his rookie season with Kansas City, it was absolutely bonkers hey, enough. But, so you know, I mean, Kareem Hunt tricked everyone into thinking that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was worth a first round pick last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I did that exactly that, and I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> yeah. So, so Sam, Sam made two valid points prior to prior to uh, redrafts in in last season. Uh, he's he made one major flaw in that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was worth a first round pick, but his redemption was that Calvin Ridley would finish as a top five fantasy wide receiver last season. Going into wide receivers, I'm I'm pretty confident in what Sam's saying about receivers at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, uh, obviously, you know, Tyreek Hill, the ultimate weapon at this point, is, is wide receiver one and, and should be in all formats. Uh, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf. DeAndre Hopkins is getting his, you know, uh, NFL leading target and you share. Know, and funny enough, I am actually starting to. I, I think I'm going to reevaluate these rankings. I was just doing a deep dive on DK Metcalf a couple of days ago and came across some some pretty eye opening numbers. So when I when I sent these rankings over to you earlier in the week, DK Metcalf was my number four, but uh, I, I think we might see him slide down a little bit over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> You're stealing my thunder here, Dave. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Soko was going to bring up how he is. You know, he. I know what he's going to bring up later, so I'll let him do it. But I think he's on the same wavelength as you a little bit there. Yeah. So uh, we'll round out six. AJ Brown, somebody we talked about a little bit earlier. I'm a big proponent of, of AJ Brown. Uh, seven. You actually still have Julio as a wide receiver one this season, even after an injury plagued 32 year old season. Uh, Kenny Galladay being a free agent is another name that we'll talk about. Uh, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs. So, Dave, you already preemptively struck in what I was going to talk about about DK Metcalf. Uh, the one thing I do want to say is Tyler Lockett was actually the leading target man in Seattle last year. Uh, so, um, and, and he actually took up a, a very large margin of the targets, be it 39% of the targets from Russell Wilson mm -hmm. last year. So, uh, you know, uh, DK Metcalf, you know, somebody, somebody that you've already alluded to that might be dropping in your rankings. Is that somebody that, uh, you might look to in, in dynasty rankings more so than redraft or how, how are we approaching DK Metcalf going into the season? 
You know, what what worries me is that we saw how dominant he could be early in the season. So there, there's a bunch of things that jumped out to me, and you already called the targets, and a lot of people don't realize that. They just assume that DK Metcalf was the de facto wide receiver one because of, you know, how dominant we saw. Like, in the first, like, he, he, everyone, he was everyone's dynasty wide receiver one. Everyone was saying that he was the next Calvin Johnson. And it, the hype was so high that people don't realize how bad his second half of the season was. And a lot of people attribute that to Russell Outside Wilson, Philly. right? Did did he torch Phil? Oh yeah, he did. He torched. He did. Play, yes, didn't he? He, yeah, yes. that's right. That's right. He did have yes. that one big game, but he got shut down by. <laughs> he also torched Tre'Davious White in the second half of the season, which was that's kind of awesome. funny. So you know, he he in in these games where they double teamed him, that's where he really struggled. But it was uh, it was the the two games in the second half of the season that were still good were against Buffalo where he had Tredavious White one-on-one and against Philly, where he had Darius Slay one or not Darius Slay. Um, yeah, it Darius was, Slay. No, it, was yeah. Darius Slay. Yeah. it was Darius yeah. Slay. So, so when he had those two guys one-on-one, he was still able to get it done. But in those other games, teams started double-teaming him, and they basically said, we've seen DK Metcalf just crushing every single team in the first half of the season. And then when they started forcing Russ to look other way, or other ways, the, the, he, he wasn't as good. So in the first half of the season, he was the wide receiver two behind just Devontae Adams. Right. If you look at his last eight games on a per-game basis, he was wide receiver 39, and that's including those big games against Buffalo and against the Eagles. So he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but in fantasy, they've realized that you know he's really the only weapon they have right now. And don't get me wrong, Tyler Lockett is a great player, but he's not that X receiver that is going to just completely change a game. He's not going to make a coach change their game plan. He's a good possession receiver. You know, he can connect with Russ because they've got that connection that they've been working on for years. But, uh, you know, teams became focused on shutting down DK Metcalf and it really, really hurt his fantasy value as the season progressed. I want to, I want to bring just very quickly attention to how Arizona played DK last year. Uh, The first game of the how they doubled him, the entire mm-hmm. time, and then Tyler Lockett exploded. Mm-hmm. They doubled Tyler Lockett the same way in the second game, and DK Metcalf exploded. Yeah. So th- there's a direct correlation to how teams attack Seattle's pass defense, and it's adding safety help over the top because mm-hmm. what, Tyler Lockett is too small to be able to fight off double coverage, and DK Metcalf is too young to know how to fight off double coverage. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's a better, I think he's a better dynasty buy than he is a redraft buy. And um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take that to heart when I do my redrafts and I'm not going to be targeting DK Metcalf the way I do in D in dynasty, because I do think he is uh, deserving of that dynasty, like wide receiver three mm-hmm. for ranking where he is right now. But I agree with you that he's not worth that in redrafts. Yeah, he's still a very raw talent. We saw a lot of Agreed. just head scratching mistakes last year. Um, I, I think that he has all the makings to be the best uh, wide receiver in the NFL. But we might not see that for a few more years. Agreed. Yeah, and and it was seventy uh, percent of Russ's interceptions last season came on targets to DK Metcalf, and and kind of like both of you alluded to, that's just youthfulness, not, you know, knowing when to fight through a ball, you know, not uh, fight That's a a great poll. Yeah, fight fight for something, you know, uh, down down the field. Um, You know, it's it's just youthful ignorance at that point. Uh, But somebody who is unyouthful at this point, I wanted to get your take on Julio Jones still being a wide receiver one at this point. Uh, I took him in, in several redraft leagues last season and, and was extremely disappointed. I, I even bought low on the guy early in the season and, you know, said like, hey, Julio's going to fight back through injury. Uh, it's a pass-heavy offense. Uh, it, it's as- actually astronomical how much Atlanta passes as opposed to the run. Uh, they are third in the NFL in pass percentage, passing at 61% of the plays. Um, but, you know, Given Julio's age and his injury history, do you, how how do you feel confident putting him in that in that wide receiver one range still? You know, he's a guy that definitely carries a lot of risk that you shouldn't ignore, but I feel like he still has that wide receiver one upside. Uh, you already alluded to the fact that they throw the ball a lot, and that's why I have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones both in that wide receiver one tier. You can't put a ceiling like that on a lot of aging wide receivers. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley has taken over as the team's lead pass catcher, and everyone is just kind of forgetting that Julio Jones is still a great player. So he's 32 years old. He's probably a little bit past his prime, but he was still pretty effective last year, 
last year when he was healthy. The problem is he hasn't always been healthy, but his per game averages, he was still the wide receiver seven on the year in points per game. So he's still just absolutely dominant. Um, and, and, you know, if we knew we were getting 16 games from Julio, he'd still be top three. The reason that I have him lower than that is because you just have to assume at this point that he's going to miss a handful of games, but the guy's still, like I said, wide receiver seven in point per games last year. He's still got it. You just have to hope that he's going to be able to stay on the field next year. Before we move on to tight ends, uh, where do you think Kenny Galladay goes and, and how does that affect your ranking of him where he, where he lands? Well, uh, I think that Allen Robinson is obviously going to be the guy that's going to command the biggest demand on the trade market um, or get franchised by the Bears. I mean, who, who really knows? But there are a lot of teams that are desperate for a – yep, yep, you see it back there. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot of teams that are desperate for that, you know, alpha wide receiver. And uh, the reason that I have Galladay sitting up right there is because I just have this pipe dream that he is going to land in Baltimore. And I think the idea of him going into Baltimore, filling that much-needed ex-receiver role, I think that he would be absolutely dominant in Baltimore. So, I mean, there's a situation that he could land on a team that already has a wide receiver one, and I could slide him down on my rankings a little bit. But I'm being optimistic with that uh, ranking of Galladay at wide receiver eight, hoping that he lands in a spot that's going to utilize him right off the bat. So so Baltimore, that's, you know, an extremely interesting – spot for him to land uh you know um obviously lamar jackson could utilize a a wide receiver one at any point i don't think marquise brown is that in the slightest bit i think that marquise brown is absolutely a uh, complimentary piece similar to you know what the eagles were with uh drafting jalen rager but at the same time i can't ignore the fact that they only pass the ball 39 percent of the time Right. And, you know, I, I understand playing into your QB strong suit. And, you know, much like we spoke about earlier with Lamar Jackson, you know, uh, he he does utilize his legs quite often. Um, is that something that you still feel confident in, given that offense? Is that something that they're going to adjust whenever they actually do get a wide receiver one? Or do you think that is their offense? And, and that's what I think right now. I think the reason that they rely on the run so heavily is because they don't have that guy. If they can get somebody like Kenny Galladay, we, we know that Lamar Jackson cannot throw outside the numbers and he can put the ball on a dime in the middle of the field. And if you've got a big receiver like Kenny Galladay that's not afraid to go up there and get those jump balls, run those slants across the middle of the field, that's where Lamar Jackson excels as a passer. And that's where Kenny Galladay excels as a receiver. So I think the two of them, is just, are, they're, they're just a match made in heaven. Uh, So I I love the idea of Galladay ending up in the Ravens. I think that we'd see them become a little bit more pass heavy if they can get that guy. We saw it. They were trying to force feed the ball to Dez last year, and Dez is way over the hill. But if you look at it on paper, Kenny Galladay is really a much younger Dez Bryant. I mean, they got the same build, the same stature, the same style of play. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, the Ravens make a push for Galladay. Okay. Uh, One last thing. Where do you have Justin Jefferson at? Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. Want to pop those rankings up real quick, Brendan? I think I had him at wide receiver seven. Uh, oh, oh, that that was what I, you know, I wanted to bring up that because I saw Adam Thielen in there. I, I figured yeah, you would have just, I figured you had Justin Jefferson in your top twelve. That that must have been a a typo on my end. So where was Adam Thielen at? My uh, that was oh, supposed to be just. Yeah, that was supposed to that was supposed to be Justin Jefferson instead okay. of Adam Thielen. That that was a mistake there. Um, right. Yeah, so, so you don't so, see him reproducing that top fantasy wide receiver season. Uh, Adam Thielen? No, uh, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. No, I, I see Justin Jefferson having another great season. But uh, similar to what we were talking about with Chubb and Hunt, I think that Thielen and Jefferson are going to cannibalize each other slightly. We know that Thielen is the preferred target in the red zone. So mm-hmm. Ju- Justin Jefferson, I think that, you know, 1,500 yards is almost a lock for Justin Jefferson. But, um, wow. you know, but it's going to be really tough for him to get the touchdowns with Thielen being the preferred target and the Vikings penchant for running the ball once they get to the goal line. Okay. You know, I, I think Devontae Adams is the only guy that is going to get three straight targets sitting at the one-yard line. There aren't many other wide receivers in the league that get that benefit. Okay. Yeah, and and – 
you know, not to knock Green Bay, you know, they, they are who they are. They are a great team. Aaron Rodgers just won MVP and everything. But they, they have not provided that man with many great targets like they, they have with Devontae Adams. So, yeah. Uh, there, there's a, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, man, the idea of Curtis Samuel in Green Bay. Man. Uh, oh, man. That is another match made in heaven. I want to see. You know, I don't want to see it because I'm a Bears fan, but as a fantasy player and a Curtis Samuel fan, that would just be like that would be dirty. Better Randall Cobb. He'd fill that same role that Randall Cobb used to play, but just even better. I would I would love to see that. Yeah, and I've like, seen plenty of people mock uh all those slot guys to Green Bay all offseason as well for the draft. I, I think it's a lock that they grab someone like that for Rogers. Sorry, yeah. sir. No, that's that's okay, and it, it's it's so funny to me because you know uh, they have actually attempted not in the first round but later in the draft to to give uh, a Rod that Randall Cobb type target with about uh, as scant Scantling and uh, I think it's a Aquanimus St. Brown Aquanimus yeah Aquanimus yeah. Yep. yeah so they've they've tried to give him that guy but at the same time like the Packers are actually sitting in a prime position with actual you know money to spend in free agency i could see curtis samuel taking a, a nice contract to go play with aaron Rodgers, but you mentioned so guys, alan robinson earlier uh, i also i just realized i made a mistake i actually sent you the consensus ranking for uh the wide receivers so i just looked at my own personal <laughs> rankings and uh I, I knew something was off with that so I, I just pulled it up myself so i actually have a uh, uh, aj brown at four uh, Calvin Ridley at five, and then uh, Justin, and then Stefan like Diggs the at six, yeah, and then Justin <laughs> Jefferson at seven, then Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin. So I'm I'm sorry about that. They were wow, just a little bit off. I, I sent you the wrong ones. Different. There. Very yeah, Justin, different. So Justin Jefferson <laughs> is my wide receiver seven. I knew I was like, and that's what I said. I was like, I think he's my seven, and then I saw Thielen in there, and I was like, that that just isn't right. So that that's my fault. I sent you the wrong rankings on the wide receivers. So, you know, I, I do, you know, I caught one name at, at the very end. Uh, Godwin. I think Terry McLaurin's going to be a wide receiver one this year. I do. Yeah. I mean, he wow. he is so talented and he finished just outside wide yeah. receiver one this year. And that was with three separate quarterbacks. The year before we saw him finish just outside of wide receiver one with three separate quarterbacks. So there's no guarantee that they're going to fix their quarterback situation this year. But even if he could just play 16 games with one quarterback, regardless of who that is, you've got to assume that he's going to get a little bit better. Uh, I, I I love Terry McLaurin. I mean, I'm, I probably love him a little bit too much. But, uh, yeah, he, he's my, my wide receiver 12. And, oh, my God, if they could just end up with one of those top quarterbacks in the draft this year and just work on a connection – I, I I could see Terry McLaurin finally hitting that wide receiver one status. I made a lot of money on Terry McLaurin bets last year. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm I'm in the minority here. You know, uh, in in addition to fantasy, I'm a draft guy. Um, I kind of feel like Washington's going to move up to like eight and draft Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And if you can That's get what a I was guy like at. like Trey Lance in Washington. I think Washington's probably a quarterback away from being a, a 10 to 11 win team. And, you're, you know, whenever you're a 10, 11 win team, you're talking about your wide receiver one going for probably 12 to 1300 yards. Yep. I don't know if you've been listening to a lot of uh, Steffi Smalls, but man, she has been hyping up saying yeah. that's all Washington is just a QB away from being a legit contender. And she's been saying it. And it's the truth, man. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, they've just got some playmakers over there, and they just need yeah. somebody to get the ball in their hand. They have a great defense, too. Their yeah. defense Very is phenomenal. So, so with them cutting – sorry, we're going to get a little off topic here, but is Taylor – because Taylor Heineke, he got the, the extension, and then Alex Smith got cut. So if they don't draft – you know, if they don't move up and take one of those guys or, you know, hope to get, you know, maybe – Mac Jones or, or Kyle Trask or something with their current pick is Heineke. Is he going to be the starter next year? I mean, he, he kind of proved his worth in that postseason game, but who knows? They could give him a shot, but I think it's definitely likely they chase someone like a Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, we, we talked pre-show about how Jameis could potentially get a huge contract and he's not locked into the Saints and everyone is acting like he is. But there is always the chance that he gets wowed by a free agency offer um, and he goes for it. And it would not shock me Denver. to see him. <laughs> would Denver. not shock me to see him leave New Orleans and go to Denver to replace Drew Locke either. 
And if that happens, if Jameis Winston ends up in Denver, you're going to see Cortland Sutton crack that top 12. <laughs> Straight through the Love league. it. Love it. But, right. you know, we, we, we spoke a little bit on Alan Robinson earlier and, and how he is leaving your beloved Chicago Bears. But, but one man that you are showing an astronomical amount of love to is Cole Komet. Obviously yeah. not your, your top tight end. You know, obviously you have, have the, the big three. Uh, Kelsey Kittle Waller Hawkinson is a, another guy that I'm a huge advocate of, especially with how young he is. And I think Goff is the check down King. So Hawkinson's obviously going to thrive off of that. Mark Andrews, the 25 year old tight end with the uh, connection to Lamar Jackson at five. And then your guy, Cole Komet at six, Hunter mm-hmm. Henry, Logan Thomas with the breakout season last year, Irv Smith. You actually called the Irv Smith love before the Kyle Rudolph thing. You know, we, we spoke early last week on these rankings, and, and you had the Irv Smith love before the Kyle Rudolph release. So, you know, we'll talk about that at 9. Noah Fan at 10. Jonu Smith, the free agent, at 11. And then Gronk rounding us out at 12. So, first of all, um, I, I don't know if you saw this. I just tweeted this out the other day. Uh, I pointed it out on Twitter, but if Mark Andrews, uh, you know, j- let's just put on our imagination caps for a second. If Mark Andrews caught four touchdowns last year instead of seven, he would have been the tight end 11 instead of the tight end four. If Noah Fant caught three extra touchdowns, that would have bumped him up from tight end 18 to tight end seven. So the the purpose of pointing that out is just to show how close those guys are once you get past. I mean, obviously, Kelsey's your number one. There's there's no doubt about that at all. When you get to Waller and Kittle, I wouldn't even fault somebody for putting Waller ahead of Kittle. I feel like those guys are really in the tier where you can kind of flip-flop them back and forth, and it's not a huge deal. And then I feel like that next tier even, when you're looking at Hawkinson and um, Mark. Yeah, Mark Hawkinson and Mark Andrews. I feel like that's another one. Like that, that top five, it's really hard to jumble. Like it, it's hard to put anybody inside the top five outside of those five guys. But once you get past that, it is just an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, nobody really knows what to expect here. All those guys are so close. Close. So um, nobody's really going to offer you a safe floor. Dallas Goddard. Logan Thomas, all of those guys are going to have weeks where they're just going to have, you know, one catch for six yards and you're just going to have to deal with it. So once I get past that big five, what I'm looking at is ceiling. And of all of those guys available, I truly believe that Cole Komet has the highest ceiling for, for a lot of reasons. First of all, he was the first pick tight end off the board in the 2020 draft. Um, towards the end of the season, we saw him get 100% of his team snaps. Uh, it's not guaranteed yet, but you know we've already alluded to the fact that Allen Robinson is probably gone. Jimmy Graham is also probably gone. The Bears saved $7 million by cutting him. Um, so that is going to leave 226 vacated targets next year. Uh, he's, he's already fully up to NFL speed, which is something that you can't say about a lot of tight ends, but you see it as a blocker. You see it as a route runner. You see it after the catch, the way that he can just bounce defenders off of him. He already has it completely together. Uh, he's 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 a great player. I mean, that's really as simple as it is. Uh, the tight ends in Chicago were targeted third most in the red zone by Trubisky compared to any other quarterbacks last year. And then one other thing I want to point out is over those last five games where we saw Komet kind of take on the starter role, and that wasn't even a true bona fide starter because Jimmy Graham was still there. But over that time, he was averaging six targets per game, which is enough to be 96 targets per season. Last year, Kelsey, Waller, Logan Thomas, Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, those were the only guys that saw that many targets. So he's going to be a fundamental part of the Bears' defense next year. And like I said, once you get past that top five, I don't think you should be chasing a floor because none of those tight ends really have a floor. You're looking for a ceiling, and Cole Komet has a higher ceiling than any of those other guys. I like that you're choosing peace by to not argue with Steffi by including Evan Engram in your rankings at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's a very smart idea as well. Yeah, I mean, that guy, he's got all the talent in the world, but he just hasn't been able to put it together. It is so frustrating to see. Um, uh, one, one of my favorite things from the offseason was uh, Steffi went through every single Evan Ingram drop and fumble and tip and whatever it was and basically I, I can't remember what the number was but it was something like he cost them like seven touchdowns over the course of a year <laughs> like it, it was just unbelievable what a liability oh, Evan Ingram is on that team 
So I remember um, he dropped that touchdown against the Eagles. That sure touchdown. He beat the deep. He beat well, not uh, even that. That would have ended the game. They yeah, that is have uh, to score a touchdown. That, that yeah. was that primetime game too. I can't remember yeah. if it was Sunday or Monday night, right. but they had it from like thirty-five different angles, breaking yeah. it down in super <laughs> slow mo. Yeah, that that was that was rough for Giants fans. I'm sure. Yeah. I did the same thing, so a uh, little off topic here, uh, you know, uh, much like like Steffi did uh, with Evan Ingram. I watched every single sack that the Philadelphia Eagles gave up on Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to blame Carson Wentz for the woes of, of the Philadelphia Eagles last year. And, man, like, you can't blame somebody that's that's not responsible Evan Ingram, a little different, you know, his responsibility. <laughs> Very responsible. His, his responsibility is to catch the, the football, and whenever you're dropping the football, you know, that, that's part of the problem. Um, but so at since the same you brought time, it up, you, you brought up Carson Wentz. I mean, how are you guys feeling about him in Indy? Do you think that he's going to rebound and, and, and be a good quarterback there? Absolutely. Or is this going to take us off on a, on a half-hour tangent? <laughs> it's, it's not for me. I, the only thing I want to say about Carson Wentz, besides the fact that I really do hope he succeeds, I think he has all the talent in the world. There's a reason he was the number two pick in the draft. I, I do think that he can be a top-five quarterback in this league when healthy. We saw it the one year that he was completely healthy, uh, and they surrounded him with a great group of options. In Indy, I think he's extremely successful uh indies on my short list sure they're at the back but they're on my short list of super bowl contenders next year uh i i hope that he is successful because i really really love love him as a football player and hope he succeeds i agree with you sam i I think they could be super bowl contenders elite defense amazing offensive line jonathan taylor arguably one of the best running backs in the league right now and then carson wentz i'm (laughs) I'm with you i got i got the colts as they can they can easily (laughs) find their way into the super bowl this year all right let me go ahead and and kill your guys real quick uh i'm of the opposite i feel that carson wentz is 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 shot uh let's talk about it for a minute you know the guy uh has been absolutely crucified in Philadelphia and I'm not here to crucify him as the player that is Carson Wentz the guy took 117 hits last year 52 of which which resulted in sacks this is coming off a season where he ended the year with a concussion the year prior his season was ended with a fractured back the year prior his season was ended with obviously the massacre that was his right knee Obviously, he stayed healthy, you know, and that's that's an absolutely great point, and, and that's fine. Sam Darnold, whenever he said that he was seeing, seeing ghosts, ghosts, was hit 91 times that season, <laughs> just to put it into a little bit of perspective for you. And I understand that Carson Wentz is, is behind the Great Wall of Indianapolis at this point. I'm a huge advocate of, of the Indianapolis offensive line. I just don't think as a passer we can rely on him to be 2017 Carson Wentz or – you know, he'll be an actual QB one to this point. He might be a good streaming option, but I'm not of the variety that believes that MVP Carson Wentz is going to return. Okay. Yeah. I mean, MVP one might not return, but I think that if he can just be a role mate or just a role player there, I mean, he doesn't need to be MVP level. He's just, he's got a crazy talented team. And if he can just go out there and hit his throws, I think that Indy can, can make a run. He only, needs to be QB no he only needs to be QB 12 once. He doesn't need to be QB 3 once. Right, exactly. I mean, they had Phillip Rivers last year, and I still thought they were going <laughs> to, you know, make it make it a decent way. So, with, without digressing onto too much of a next topic, uh, let's get some of your breakout guys for next year. Like, who do you think, you know, that's not in your top 12s now that does make it into that group for 20? Apparently, Carson Wentz. what's uh let's talk a little bit about court and sutton uh you know i know we talked about him a little bit before we went live here um and he is outside of my top 12 and he doesn't really fit the prototypical breakout because we already saw him break out in 2019 but people are acting like that didn't happen and right now he's ranked as a wide receiver 19 on the year which is just absolutely crazy to me because i think he's going to be so much better than that uh, or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I had that wrong. I have him as my wide receiver 19. He's ranked as wide receiver 32 right now. And he's a full-blown alpha receiver, you know, however you want to chop it up. Um, he had 1,100 yards and six touchdowns 
two years ago, and he started off looking good last year before he immediately went down with that injury. Um, my favorite thing to do in fantasy football is to take advantage of this notorious recency bias that we see every single year. So we're seeing it right now. Jerry Judy starting to creep up draft boards. Noah Fant is starting to creep up draft boards. But really, Sutton is still going to be the number one pass catching option on that team. So not your prototypical breakout player, but if you want to find somebody right now that I think is the best value in the wide receiver pool, Corlin Sutton, he could be had right now for an eighth or ninth round pick, and I think that he has all the makings to end up a low-end wide receiver one. Okay. I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about Sutton uh, wh- while we're on the topic a little bit. You know, you, you spoke recently about uh, Washington being uh, a team that is a quarterback away. Fantasy-wise, Denver, are they in that quarterback away from being fantasy-relevant conversation? I think so, yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody that I just absolutely love the idea of landing in Denver is Jameis Winston. Everyone's saying that Jameis Winston is a lock to come back to New Orleans, but really he's an unrestricted free agent and there are a lot of quarterback needy teams out there. So I think that he's going to command a little bit more of a uh, push on the trade market than a lot of people think. So he's somebody that I can see landing there. Also, you know, right now the Texans are holding strong saying that there's no chance that they're going to trade Deshaun Watson, but at some point somebody's going to got to, somebody's going to have to give, you know, they're not going to pay him hundreds of millions of dollars not to play for the next five years. So they're going to have to either deal him or he's going to have to play. So he's somebody else uh, that I could see ending up in Denver. But yeah, I think right now Denver and Washington are the two teams that are quarterback away from contention. And we've, we see it already. If you look at Denver's depth chart, you know, we already mentioned Judy Fant, Sutton. Those are three phenomenal pass catchers and they all carry a very different and unique skill set. Sutton's that guy that's going to go down the field and catch those jump balls. Judy's the guy that's going to get open in separation with his fantastic route running, and he's going to get that that separation to make the easy catches. And then Fant is going to take those dump offs and just take him to the house with the yards after the catch. So they've got a trio of pass catchers that are absolutely elite right now. And if a quarterback can step in there that is any better than Drew Locke, which isn't a you know a, a, a tough hurdle to clear, I think Denver can can be a solid team next year. And, and one last thing uh, on the Denver front, given that they do end up with a quarterback, do you feel that KJ Hamler is fantasy relevant next season? Um, I think on the pecking order, he is going to fall fourth. And you might even say that he can fall fifth with Tim Patrick doing what he did last year. I think Tim Patrick's role is probably going to dissipate quite a bit with Cortland Sutton back in there. But, uh, but no, I think Sutton is the clear-cut number one. And then you've got Judy and uh, Fant. They're going to be that number two and three pass option. And then, uh, you know, it makes it really tough. I mean, you'd need, you would need an elite quarterback to be able to support four fantasy-relevant pass catchers. And we saw it with Peyton Manning a while back where he was able to support four pass catchers in Denver. Um, but it, it's not often that you see a team that can support four guys that are all relevant in fantasy. Then I think that, unfortunately, K.J. Hamler is going to be the odd guy out in that scenario. Okay. All right. So I noticed that in your quarterback rankings, you know, kind of like we spoke about earlier, there were no rookie quarterbacks. You know, you're you're staying away from the dart throws at that point. You have no idea what these rookies are going to come in and do. Uh, It's actually 11% of rookie quarterbacks come in and produce a quarterback one fantasy season. So the odds are very low, but people are saying that we haven't seen a prospect like Trevor Lawrence since Andrew Luck, and everything else. So given that Trevor Lawrence is outside of your top 12, where do you have him slotted? Uh, not too far behind. I've got him at QB 14. So it's not something that, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Trevor Lawrence hater. I think that he's going to be great. But once you start looking at the players available, um, I'd, I'd be pretty unlikely to take Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, if I'm unable to get somebody above him, what I'm probably going to do is just pass on Trevor Lawrence altogether and then wait late round and get a guy like Tom Brady, get a guy like Matt Ryan that's going to offer a safer floor. Um, you know, it, it's just you, you called it out, which is a great poll. I didn't even realize that 11 percent of rookies. That's that's an amazing way to look at it. So, you know, for every Pat Mahomes, you've got nine Mitch Trubisky's. <laughs> I want to ask a uh, personal question. How did yeah. you come to being a zero wide receiver guy? Oh, that's, that's a good wide one. Wide receiver, Dave. 
I am in redraft, which is which is funny because my dynasty strategy couldn't be more different. My dynasty strategy is to load up on quarterbacks and wide receivers and then wait for the running backs. But um, you know, I, I've written many many articles on why I'm zero wide receiver, and it's just when you look at the numbers, the league isn't. Uh, you know, it used to be every single team had a guy that was going to get 200 carries, and you don't even have to go back that far to see it. You go 10 years ago. Every single team had a guy that was going to get 200 carries. Most teams had a guy that was going to get 250, and then you were going to see 10 guys a year that were going to see 300 plus carries. Mm -hmm. 300 plus running back or 300 carry plus running backs don't exist anymore outside of the occasional Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, exactly. We see it every now and then, but realistically, the game has changed. We see running backs by committee. We see a lot more pass-heavy offenses. So, um, you know, the the days of getting, you know, a guy in the fourth or fifth round that's going to be giving you 12 to 15 points a week as a safe floor, those guys don't exist anymore. So if you really want the biggest positional advantages to exploit right now, uh, tight end and running back. Those are the guys that you want to get. You want to make sure that you're getting Kelsey. You want to make sure you're getting Kittle. You want to make sure you're getting um, – Waller. And if you're not getting those guys in the first two rounds, you want to make sure that you're getting the running backs. They're going to be most likely to give you a consistent floor who I can, you know, go through all of those guys for you. But there's about 12 guys that um, basically in, in my first two rounds, I've got a pool of 12 running backs and three tight ends, and I am not making it into the third round without getting two of those guys. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, so you're talking about guys uh, as far as like 300 carries, you're talking about guys like Cook, and Henry, and then um, another close to 300 touch guy was uh, Alvin Kamara this past season. So, you know, those are your your top. And McCaffrey. Guys. Yeah, I think McCaffrey, McCaffrey as well, yeah. McCaffrey going back to the 2019 season. But though, if you look at Dave's rankings, as far as running backs are concerned, those are his top four guys for a reason. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, and that's also why I'm high on Saquon and Zeke. And a lot of people right now are starting to fade Saquon coming off the injury. They're starting to fade Zeke saying that he's washed. But at the end of the day, if anybody's going to get 250 touches this year, Zeke is a very good candidate for that. That's also another reason that I've got Joe Mixon up there. That's a reason that I've got Jonathan Taylor up there. You know, Joe Mixon, he's not my favorite player in the world. I don't think that Joe Mixon is a great football player, but the Cincinnati Bengals have committed $60 million to him and he's going to get fed the rock. So Joe Mixon is somebody who realistically, I think DeAndre Swift, JK Dobbins, Miles Sanders, those guys are much more fun to watch. They're probably going to end up putting up more points per touch. They're going to end up doing more yards per carry. They're going to have all of those advanced metrics that are going to make them look like better players. But Joe Mixon is probably still going to see 200 plus carries this year. Yeah. So I, I'm all about, uh, you know, locking in those wide receiver or those running backs that are going to be guaranteed volume, which, uh, you know, if we really want to get into it, you guys have probably seen it already. But the, the hill that I'm choosing to die on this offseason is the David Johnson train for that same exact reason. Chugga, chugga. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about it. Is, is that who you're planting your flag at running back with? Is David I will Johnson? Plant, I will plant my flag on David Johnson. Um, you know, I'm talking strictly redraft here, but he has all the makings to be a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 in 2021. And right now, it blows my mind. He's getting drafted as the 26th running back off the board. Uh, Duke Johnson's gone. David Johnson's deal was restructured. It's pretty easy to read the writing on the wall right here. Uh, they want David Johnson to be the guy. If you factor out the game where he was injured in the first quarter, David Johnson was actually RB11 in fantasy points per game last year. And then the, the big question mark right now with Houston, obviously, is Deshaun Watson going to play? Whether he plays or not, I think it's a win-win for David Johnson. If Deshaun Watson is out there playing, that's just going to give them more opportunities to score, which is in turn going to help with David Johnson's touchdown rate and, you know, opening up the field, all that good stuff. Um, but Deshaun Watson at the same time is kind of vulturing his ability as a pass catcher, which is his biggest strength. So if Deshaun Watson sits and they're forced to go out next year with a pocket passer, that's just going to raise his pass catching ability. So David Johnson is a guy right now that, um, you know, I, I don't think the Texans are going to be good. I think that David Johnson might struggle, but he's probably going to see 300 touches next year in what's, you know, basically a lost season for the Texans. And the fact that right now he's getting drafted is, like I mentioned, the 26th uh, running back off the board. That's just mind blowing. I, I think that he deserves much more respect than that. And I think that he's going to finish as at least a high end RB2. Okay. Okay. So given that Deshaun, or uh, I'm sorry, David Johnson is 
who you're planting your flag with at running back. Give us a quarterback, running back, and tight end out of your rankings that you would like to plant your flag with. All right. Dak Prescott, top three QB. I had him as my my uh, my number three on there, and I don't understand the disrespect that Dak Prescott's getting. I mean, I, I understand his bone was poking out of his ankle, and he was getting carted off the field, and it was a gruesome injury to watch, but he was the QB one last year before he went down. The year before, in 2019, he was the QB two, and the only person that outscored him was Lamar Jackson, who had a thousand yard, just absolutely bonkers season that we'll probably never see anything close to again. Um, and the fact of the matter is, he's been a QB one every single year since he's been drafted. And in addition to being a QB one, he's also gotten better every single year since he's been drafted. So he's already got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, who he finished as a QB two with. Now he gets CD Lamb who we only got to see some flashes of early on in the season. So I think that Dak Prescott is a lock for 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and a top three QB next year. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was a big buyer on Dak this past season. Obviously, it hurt me after the fact, yeah. uh, after his injury and everything. But through five games in one quarter, he had thrown for 1,874 <laughs> yards. Yeah, he was on track for 6,000 yards last season. That is astronomical. No matter what we feel about the Cowboys and the fact they don't accomplish anything in the postseason, they are a great regular season fantasy team. Garbage he time, a, man. He had 11 touchdowns to one pick, one fumble, zero lost. The Cowboys defense is not going to be fixed in one off season. They're going to be behind in games by Dak. Yep. I think I'm, we're all in agreement on this one. <laughs> I could not be more excited about your, your quarterback by uh, obviously your, your running back has already been bought. So plant your flag on your wide receiver. And this is somebody I, I'm not sure if we mentioned in pre-show or, or while we were on the show, but, uh, but Curtis Samuel. Man, I, I love Curtis Samuel. He's one of my favorite players to watch. And uh, he's been in this weird spot in Carolina where Christian McCaffrey has been doing so much in his role. And I feel like Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey have a very similar skill set. So that kind of made it tough for Curtis Samuel to carve out a role for himself. And then even if he was able to play, you know, more of a prototypical wide receiver role, he's got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson that are both commanding a very heavy target share as well. Uh, last year, Curtis Samuel had the second best catch rate in the league, which is kind of mind blowing when you think about all the other big names that are out there. So there's a couple of teams that really need to address their slot uh, receiver position. And the two teams that keep jumping out to me that I can see Curtis Samuel going to, and this is why I'm so high on him and I'm trying to acquire him in every early season draft I'm doing. I'm praying that Curtis Samuel ends up in either Kansas City or Green Bay. Those are both teams that really need a slot guy. And I think, you know, he he would just kill it in that role. We saw what Randall Cobb was able to do in his time with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I think Curtis Samuel is just a better version of Randall Cobb. So that that's a guy right now that I'm planting my flag on. And certainly it could change. You know, maybe the Bears bring him in and he just falls apart and crumbles like every other free agent receiver not named Allen Robinson. So, I mean, I, I can end up eating, eating these words a little bit, but – but right now, as a free agent and with some teams that need a slot receiver, Curtis Samuel is a guy that I am very excited about, and I could see him finishing as a wide receiver too if he ends up in a good, on, on the right team. Catch me doing the same thing with Curtis Samuel now that you've said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they brought in – so they had already uh, established that Demarcus Robinson was, was opposite of Tyreek Hill at that point uh, whenever Kelsey was not splitting out wide. Uh, so they tried to bring in Miko Hardman, and Miko Hardman's kind of been a flop. So um, you you put an actually established receiver in that Miko Hardman role and push Miko to the outside to kind of uh, make the safeties respect the boundaries a little bit. And I, I am in one hundred percent agreement. And uh, and, I, and I don't even think that Miko Hardman is is necessarily a bust. It's just that the usage hasn't been there. I think that he was drafted basically as an insurance policy for Tyreek Hill. And obviously, yeah. there's no other Tyreek Hill in the league. Nobody can match his speed. Nobody can match what he does. But if there was anybody in the league that was as, as close to Tyreek Hill as possible, it's Miko Hardman. So with his off-the-field problems, with his you know contract coming to an end soon, I think that Miko was brought in sort of as an insurance policy in case something were to happen to Tyreek. That way, they can keep the offense you know flowing in a similar fashion, even if he's unable to play. Okay. okay. So, so I, th I think it's no secret who you're 
planting your flag with at tight end this year. And, yeah, and I mean, we, we can go through it again, but yeah, I mean, uh, if you want me to talk about somebody else, Logan Thompson, Thomas gets me really excited, but, but Cole Clement. And it makes total sense. Uh, um, personally, I'm I'm on the Adam Troutman train as well. Uh, University of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually got to see him play quite a few uh, games of football for the Flyers. Myself, I was stationed down there for five and a half years. And, you know, uh, whenever you're talking about a, a D3 team that you don't really get too excited about with football, you know, like Adam Troutman flash like crazy so uh, you know i would love to see him do the same thing but i'm obviously not drafting him you so saw josh hill and jared cook both just got cut so that that leaves the doors wide open for adam troutman unless well, of course Jameis comes back and then Taysom hill is their tight end again who knows what's gonna happen there <laughs> what a nightmare we'll uh, see. who knows maybe, maybe breeze comes back and Jameis is playing tight end who knows uh, that'd be <laughs> uh, but dave that that is that's all we have for you uh tonight obviously we uh are and an abundance of appreciation for you coming on with us. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely been a blast. Uh, Sam, any final words for Dave? Uh, no, man. It was great to have you. I, I, I love this show. This was, this was so fun for me to do. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Uh, Brendan, you know, I just recently connected with you. But uh, Sam, you know, you reached out to me a little while ago and said, hey, you know, I'm trying to kind of figure out what I should do in this community. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you really just grabbing the opportunity by the horns and make something happen with it. So it's, uh, it's been cool to see. So keep it up, man. You're crushing. I, and you I too, Brendan, that. like I said, you know, you're, you're a newer connection to me, but I'll be keeping eyes on you as well. <laughs> Definitely, man. Uh, it, it, as always, it, it's a blast. Uh, Dave, parting words for your audience. One last bomb drop for us. Anything? Hey, you know where to find me. Fantasy pros, football guys, and Dave Kluge underscore FF. All Thank right, you guys. We appreciate you being here. Uh, as always, keep moving forward, fellas. We will see you next week.